This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. thinking of you guys. <laughs> Is that weird? What a coincidence. Oh, man. I was like, I wonder you know? if they're going to come today. And, and they then, did. And then, and here then they, they did. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the program. It's Pat uh, and Stu and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that is a new salute of yours? Can you do that again? Can I get that again? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's the, that's the best thing you've ever done on the show. Uh, which was interesting because you just waved and pointed. Uh, but thank you for coming on the program uh, today. Jeffy, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, too, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounded a little hesitant. I, really? Yes, I, I, I'd have to oh, agree no, with I that. Oh, no, I meant it. I meant every Suspicious. word of it. No, you, you... Okay. All right. Uh, Rex Tillerson, the, the till man, till town, is uh, coming... Is T tills, for the... T for the till. Tillerson. Uh, is coming to town, and... Uh, I am uh, torn on this one. I'm not. I don't feel like it's entirely uh, a horrible pick, which uh, is positive. Uh, I mean, Rex Tillerson uh, is a guy who's a great uh, businessman, ran Exxon Mobil for many years. Um, he seems like all, all reporting is that he's a good guy, um, very involved in the Boy Scouts, which is reported in almost every story for some reason. Um, he's also uh, a, a you know a, a guy who uh, understands and appreciates the benefits that fossil fuels bring to our uh, to our world, mm-hmm. which I am uh, appreciative of. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see. Um, he was also recommended very highly by people like uh, Dick Cheney, Condoleezza Rice, um, uh, what's his face, um, uh, Bob Gates, uh, J- James Baker. Uh, so Don Rumsfeld. I don't know if Rumsfeld was on that bandwagon, really? but uh, it seemed it, it might as well be right. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. we're right in that Bush sort of area, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, while I'm not like thrilled, like hey, we've got a bunch of Bush people in in the in positions of power. That's not exactly the most exciting thing in the world to me. Considering who the president is, it's actually much better than I thought was going to happen. 
Um, now, there's some picks that Trump made, like, for example, Ben Carson at HUD and Michael Flynn as a, as a security advisor, uh, which I think are terrible picks. But most of them have just been generic Republican picks with a few good ones mixed in. You know, I mean, I don't I, like if Jeb Bush picked every single one of these people to be in his cabinet, I would only be surprised a couple times. Mm-hmm. They're almost all very swampish. Yeah. However, the swamp is better than what I think Trump is. So I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing. You know, you root for the best here. And, uh, you know, do, am I like, you know, in some ways, Condoleezza Rice, Dick Cheney endorsing this guy alleviates a little bit of my fear of the Russia stuff. I have to admit, I mean, I, you know, those guys did took Russia seriously. Um, you know, I mean, Dick Although Cheney took Russia pretty Bush damn seriously. Said, I looked into Pooty Pooch's eyes. He did. He did. Saw a soul in there. But I mean, that's the sort of type of stuff Cheney was pissed off at. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now Rice, on the other hand, was a little bit more uh, uh, moderate, and and obviously, uh, but I mean, at least it's. I'm not saying it's going to be. Hey, we got a new hardline guy on Russia. I'd like what Ted Cruz would do with Russia, um, which would be, you know, I think fantastic and what they deserve. However, uh, it's not out of the mainstream. It's, you know, it's not like he put, you know, Roger Stone or Alex Jones in the role, which I think could have happened. Mm-hmm. I, would have, I would not have been surprised to see Roger Stone as Secretary of State with Donald Trump. It would not have been stunning to me. Yeah. And it, you know what? Ninety five percent of Republicans mm-hmm. would come in and go, you know what? Roger Stone's a great pick. The guy worked for Nixon. The, no uh, question. He's they would. a great he's a great no pick. question. You know, and, and you know Alex what? Jones, I'll tell you, you know, he's been ahead on a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these things. A lot of these things. Yeah. He he was the first out there on the Bilderbergers and it, a lot of people didn't believe him. Yeah, they didn't and believe him. And then now look at this. Yeah, look at this. Look what's he, going on. They are eating golden babies. And uh, I, it's about time hey, we have look. a secretary of state who knows about that. And look, Sandy Hook. That's what they would do. You know, was obviously a scam with actors to try to go. <laughs> against the Second Amendment, <laughs> what and they would, uh, they would. And I've been, I've been speaking out about the Gulf of Tonkin since uh, 1964. I, I have tried, and you know, Alex has, has been leading the way on this, and, and nobody would listen to him, and uh, thank goodness. So, yes, they would. They would do exactly that. And uh, that's what they're doing with every one of his policies, every one of his picks. Yeah, it's every, just constant. You know, meeting with Al Gore, either they ignore it completely and don't, don't mention it at all, like the Al Gore thing. Or they find a way to make it okay. Like, well, you know, if that trillion dollar stimulus is spent right, well, then great. We need new airports, right? We need our roads fixed. Who doesn't like a bridge that doesn't collapse? It's almost impossible to be worse on your principles than what what you're seeing with Republicans right now. They just, they don't even care. And you know why they don't care? Because, and I use this in the royal way, you don't care. Now, you and this audience care. But mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of Americans don't care if they're consistent. They don't care because they weren't listening before, and they're barely listening now. So the fact that those two <laughs> things that you said are com- complete disagreement with each other, when you have Mike Pence, who comes out and says the free market is figuring everything out and America's losing all the time, so why bother with it? Uh, when you have that happening, a guy who sat here as late as... 2016 was, you know, I mean, and how old were you in 2016? Was was vigorously defending the free market, this guy. A guy who endorsed Ted Cruz in his home state. Now, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. ah, the free market sucks. No one cares. Nobody cares. Uh, And that's a little frustrating. Yeah, it's it's a lot frustrating to me. But, you know, we've seen it for a year now, over a year.
About a year and a half, as a matter of fact. Uh, and apparently Trump, uh, Trump interviewed Romney just to torture him, according to Roger Stone. You know, I, I, is that possible? Sure. I, I think it is. I, I don't know. We talked about it at the time. Yeah, we talked about it at the time. That There's only two possibilities to me. One, he is bringing this in to make it look like he's listening to the other side. Two, yeah. he's bringing Romney in to torture him. And I don't know which one it was, but never was there a possibility that he was going to actually hire Mitt Romney for that job. That was not happening. Mm-hmm. And nor, you know, honestly, nor should it mm-hmm. happen. It makes no sense. You would take a guy who says Russia's the biggest geopolitical threat, put him in the Secretary of State so that he can kiss Russia's ass? It makes no sense. Plus a guy who is that adamantly opposed to you? Yeah. You know, screw him. Because, I mean, you can say, um, and, and this is sort of the problem I had with Ted Cruz uh, after um, the, he, the Indiana primary. Uh, or, and after, actually more after the convention. So he comes out, he doesn't endorse Trump. And he come, the next morning, everyone's all over him. Of course, why didn't you endorse Trump? And his answer was, uh, well, uh, among other things, uh, you know, he called my wife uh, uh, ugly and, and said, my dad killed JFK. <laughs> now, those are re- very reasonable things mm-hmm. to uh, pick up to not like somebody mm-hmm. um, or to not endorse them for president. And you know what? In reality... Every single person would have that affect their judgment of another person. If you had people constantly attacking you, um, of course, uh, like, for example, if you were if you're constantly be calling being called fat, um, of course, that would that would that would tint your judgment mm-hmm. uh, towards others uh, that were saying those things. Um, and of course, you'd, you'd, you'd know, still be fat after all of it. Um, but uh <laughs> Sorry, I just couldn't resist. The only reason I did it is because I saw you look at me like that out of the corner of my eye. Okay, so uh, the point is, though, I can understand Ted Cruz, and I think every human being would be like, you told my freaking wife ugly? No, I'm not endorsing this idiot. I totally understand that. However, he shouldn't have talked about that part of it because everyone took it as, well, this is a personal thing. He's just acting, you know, oh, well, it's just personal. The reason why I oppose Ted Cruz, despite the fact that he called my company and my organization and, and my boss a failure and a loser and all of the negative things he's said about Glenn over the years, I, I haven't, that doesn't affect my judgment of him as president at all. At all. Um, it actually makes me respect him more. No, I, I, what I'm saying is uh, I, it's his policies, it's his character, it's his stands on issues or lack of, thereof. It's his lack of understanding of the Constitution. Those are real reasons to not to not, uh, to not uh, endorse uh, Donald Trump. And I think Cruz, instead of, while I, I understand all those things existed for Cruz, I think the additional thing that he focused on, which was a personal issue, made it seem petty. When it wasn't petty, he made a very detailed case against this guy over a very long period of time. And I think in his frustration, was like, look, the guy freaking told, said my dad killed a president. Of course, I'm not going to freaking endorse him. But I wish he'd focus on other things. And I think uh, there's a part of Trump that wants to say, I can get over all that. He called, What did he call me? A con man? Whatever. I can get over that. I'll bring him in here and I'll talk to him. Uh, you know, maybe I'll give him a secretary of state role. Maybe I'll give him that. But there was never an intention of him actually doing it. He just wanted people to think that's the guy he was. Um, and, of course, mm-hmm. it wound up in the end. Uh, not happening. Though, again, I'll state, I, I don't think it made any sense for him to put Mitt Romney in there. He may, may be able to get over the, the personal quibbles, but I mean, there is a, there's a big issue there on policy. I mean, he thought, in a time where nobody, especially in the left, thought that Russia was a big threat. Now they all do. They're t- totally on the other side of that. Um, and this is another moment where I think this audience, I know myself, I know Pat, 
Uh, Jeffy was saying spoons, so I don't know how that actually contributed to the Russian. He said eighteen once too. He did. I, yeah, I, I should report that. I, I took to mean he was opposed to the Russian. Okay. The point is, it's nice to be in the position, and maybe I'm the only person who cares about these things anymore, but it's nice to be in the position in which I'm saying the same thing in 2012 that I'm saying in 2016. The same thing. Russia was dangerous in 2012. The, the, the idea of them being the main geopolitical threat, true in 2012. The idea that they are the same in 2016 is also true. Consistency at both times, for I know this show, I know this room, I don't know how many people outside of this audience feel that way anymore, or care about it, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I, it used to be something that people cherished. You know what, I might not agree with you, but at least you're being consistent. Remember when people used to say things like that? Hello? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell them. Uh, that was the 80s. They just called. They want their policy back. <laughs> I just took a call from the 80s. <laughs> Who was wanting their policy back on Russia? Because you were saying they were a threat in 2012 and they're a threat now. <laughs> oh, man. Like the whole yeah. decade uh, called? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the decade of the 80s called. And uh, they want their policy back. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's a it good would, line in 2012 by Obama, mm-hmm. and it's a great line now. I mean, and it, it, it would be nice if you were at least on the same side of that too, because they're not. They're not. Yeah, they're, they're not. And it's it's interesting because um, I, I think I, maybe Trump is trying to form some alliance. He's he's so anti-China that maybe he's trying to form some sort of. American-Russian alliance against yeah. China, yeah. and he feels like we're stronger that way, and if we band together these two, a uh, superpower and a former superpower against this upcoming potential superpower, we can, uh, who knows, uh, block them out? I, I, I don't know. There are reports of uh, the Chinese uh, sending a nuclear-armed um, uh, bomber over uh, uh, South China Sea yesterday um, to send a message to Trump of, hey, wow. Now, now the truth is apparently that it was not a nuclear armed. It was reported as nuclear armed, but still a, a bomber that they were uh, sending a, a little message to mm-hmm. uh, to apparently Trump. Um, at least that's how it's being reported. Um, that's going to be an interesting because you know China's pretty serious too. I mean, we can talk yeah, about their are. trade part practices, which are you know whatever, uh, but they have nuclear weapons and uh, mm-hmm. are pretty pretty dangerous. Nuclear country. weapons and 1.4 billion people. They have an army uh, that. On res- in reserve, I mean, their their active army isn't as big as ours, but their their reserve army is a hundred million, one hundred million people. That's a that's a big army. Um, so they can they can call out a hundred million troops uh, whenever they need to. Um, they haven't needed to, uh, but you know who knows uh, if we got into some kind of conflict with them, they've got an almost endless supply of human beings to throw at people. Uh, <laughs> Um, and a willingness yes. to do that. And a willingness to do that. Um, can I bring up a, a, a Christmas wish here on the program? Sure. Pat? And I know this is one of the things that would only come true in a Hallmark movie. But let mm-hmm. me throw it out there anyway. Wouldn't it be a great moment for Barack Obama to come out and say, hey, in 2012, I was in a debate and I said, I, hey, the 80s called and they want their foreign policy back because Mitt Romney said Russia was a big geopolitical threat. I, I won the election. I'm happy I did. I think we did a lot of good things. But uh, he was totally right on that. I mean, I was wrong on that issue. Straight out wrong. Oh, I'd love that. That would I, never happen. I, wouldn't that be an interesting thing for him to do, though, as he left office? And, mm-hmm. and you know, because he's in the position now where he's saying they are a threat. 
So, I mean, his actions clearly show that this is true. Mm-hmm. He believes that he was wrong in 2012. Um, but, and he just, and, and honestly, in 2012, I honestly believe he believed in 2012 they were a threat, too. He just saw this as an opportunity to shame Mitt Romney and make him look stupid on stage. Um, I honestly think he really believed even then that they were a threat. I mean, this is, they had already been, uh, there had already been plenty of things they had done, not, not just behind the scenes, but in public, that would show them to be a real threat and an adversary, not a friend. But why not do that if you're him? Why not come out and say, look, Romney was right. And, and the fact that, because you, you still get points against the current president. Too much of an egomaniac. And that's what it's got to be, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it, his legacy and egomaniac, uh, he's he's just too much of one to to do it. Um, but I'd love to see it. I would love to. It just would never happen. Yeah, is that your phone ringing? Is that your uh, phone ringing? You know what? <laughs> yes, Jeffy. Uh, oh my Hello? gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I'll tell him again. Yeah. Thanks. That was the eighties again. <laughs> what what are they? <laughs> they want their policy back. <laughs> oh man, that's rich. Why? Why are they that's calling me? That's rich. Because you're saying Cause. stupid things about Russia. <laughs> they haven't existed since the eighties. <laughs> the Cold War's over. Stupid. <laughs> I think you. Uh, I think you, you know, nailed it. I, I think I did. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel stupid. Yeah, now. you should. Yeah, you should. But you don't need to, because you know you could prepare for the changes that that are happening. I mean, Russia is not one of those. Okay. So Russia is not one of the Russia things you should prepare for. Not one of the things you should prepare for. That's a failed state that is a regional power and no threat to us. Okay. But there are other things you could prepare for. Weather events. Job loss, uh, you know, financial problems in the future. Uh, and you can take steps to prepare for all of those things. Yeah, it's called self-reliance. And the good thing about it is it covers all of these things, no matter what they are. Most likely, the thing that's going to screw up your life is going to be something you don't expect. Um, mm. And that's why, well, no, or Jeffy. Um, but that's why you prepare. <laughs> just, I say we screw up your life. They just switch to Jeffy automatically. <laughs> um, uh, that's why you take control of your life and you take control of your preparation and you build mm-hmm. a long-term emergency food supply uh, plan and they can do this for you at My Patriot Supply. They can make it easy for you, which is what I like, uh, and it will not cost you a lot, which I also like. Yeah, we've talked many times about having food that you actually like to eat and that, that, that's a huge thing to me because I, my theory was at first and our theory in food preparation was, well, if we need it, we're going to eat anything. You know, if you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. Well, you don't have to do it that way. I mean, I guess it's true. Would you eat a stick if you had to? You know, maybe you would. Would Jeffy? you eat a worm if you had to? How do worms well, taste? Obviously, if you had to, you'd if eat you them. had to, but you don't need to. You can eat things like fettuccine Alfredo mm. and emergency pizza and pudding, and I mean, d- delicious food. I'd rather have that over worms. Get a fork, yes. <laughs> Or wheat and barley that you got to grind into who knows what and make it into I don't know how. So uh, get four weeks of easy-to-prepare food for $99. That includes free shipping. 
Yep. Uh, let me give you the, uh, the place to go. And this Please is my do. Patriot Supply. Okay. Uh, it's 888-411-5290. 888-411-5290. Or preparewiththeblaze.com. It's preparewiththeblaze.com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation services at 800-600-1645. That's Donald Trump helping the economy already, uh, big t- bigly, okay? Uh, one of the interesting things about uh, yesterday was he tweeted about Lockheed Martin's F-35 program, which he said was costing too much and that he was going to cancel programs like this. Um, and, um, well, <clears throat> he did that at 8.30. By lunchtime, he had wiped $4 billion off the company's market value, <laughs> which is... Uh, an interesting approach uh, for a president trying to grow jobs with a giant employer like Lockheed Martin. Four billion, is that a lot, you know, for a company to lose? No, I lot? mean, it's not a lot, you know, if, if you're... I mean, well, when you're yes. talking about $19.9 trillion uh, as a uh, deficit, mm-hmm. it's not a lot of money. That's true. Right? It's not much at all. You wouldn't even notice it. No. Uh, on nineteen point nine. But trillion. when you're talking about Lockheed Martin, uh, just a single company, that might be... A goodly amount. Yes. Um, it might be. And it's interesting to see what people in Wall Street are doing with this information. What they're seeing is Trump criticizes, because this happened with Boeing. It happened with, uh, um, what was the other controversial company the last um, week or so? Uh, it was Boeing and, oh, Carrier. 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 Um, yeah. And so when he's, he's tweeting these things out and it's affecting stock prices, um, he, he will say it and the, the stock price will go down. Now, lo- usually it seems like that's a, an immediate effect of people reacting to the tweet. And there's no inherent reason why Lockheed Martin would lose $4 billion in value. So by the end of the day, it comes back up to where it's supposed to be. And what traders are finding is they're actually building algorithms built to detect a Donald Trump tweet, figure out instantly whether it's positive or negative about the company. And if it's negative, sell it immediately. Um, let it go down, and when it when it goes down a little bit, then buy it and watch it go back up to its normal position and make money both ways. Um, and they're building algorithms to actually figure out when is the best time to do this and how to time it. Now, it's risky because, you know, Trump's tweets uh, don't always resemble English. Um, and if a computer reads it the wrong way and thinks it's a positive tweet when it's a negative tweet, you could be destroyed. Uh, that, that whole trade is, is blown up uh, immediately. But it's, it's an interesting uh, uh, thing. He is moving markets. And this is what he's always wanted out of his life. He's, oh, we, we have Matt Walsh coming up a little bit later on today um, to talk about this. But uh, it's what he's always wanted in his life, a guy like Kanye West coming to his house to hang out with him. You know, Ray Lewis was there today. Um, uh, Jim Brown, uh, former uh, one of the best running backs of all time. Um, you know, these celebrities, these dignitaries, uh, Mitt Romney, they're all coming to his place. They're all going there to kiss the ring. And no one cares. Uh, but 
it's what he's always wanted out of his life and never really been able to achieve. He was always hanging with people like Scott Bayo, who I assume is no longer invited. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting uh, thing that's that's happened there. And uh, it's funny to watch people in Wall Street who make money on everything still make money off of Trump's erratic tweeting. Uh, also, Obama spent some time with uh, Bill Murray, 66-year-old Bill Murray. Uh, late Sunday night, the White House Twitter account posted a video showing Obama and actor Bill Murray inside the Oval Office, which is kind of disappointing. But uh, here, here's a look at what they had to say to each other. Generally, I don't like cuts fans into the Oval Office. Uh-huh. It's probably not a coincidence that your popularity is at an all-time high. So I, I would just stick with this. Just I would just ride this baby. It's not going to happen. It's going to happen long before you make this putt. <laughs> That's a nice stroke. You know who I recommend you play with is uh, Jordan Spieth. <laughs> oh, and he did it again. You know what? Wow. Oh, I just pulled that. Note. What are you doing? Ow! That guy sucks, ah, man. At everything right. he does. Oh, yep. Just my knee barks a little bit. Yeah? Maybe, uh, have you had it looked at? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have anyone to look at it. It just it hurts me. You don't have health insurance? Oh, Not God. really, no. Are, are you serious? Oh, look, Bill, you don't have to go without health insurance because these days, because of the Affordable Care Act, anybody can get health insurance. And oh, it doesn't God. matter if you already have something wrong with you because insurance companies have to take you even if you have a pre-existing condition. Are you saying mental health is covered too? Mental health is covered as well. Healthcare.gov. Healthcare.gov. So you have to have a computer or something like that. You go on a computer. On your computer, you can go on your phone. You'll be able to shop for the kind of insurance that's best for you. All right. Where, where does Michelle uh, keep your money? Which drawers are you in? Just stay out of those drawers and don't press any of those buttons, huh? But remember to go to healthcare.gov, shop for healthcare between November 1st and December 15th. That's absolutely embarrassing for both of them. Good to see you. I'll get that done. I mean, this, seriously. This was filmed a while ago when Bill won his little award there during the World Series. Really? really? You know, okay. yeah. He and remember he did his fake press conference at the White House. That's I don't remember. Sad. That's sad. I mean, yeah, I, I love, love Bill Murray. Murray. That but, uh, that just that hurt. That hurt. That ruined it. It ruined it. It ruined it completely. <laughs> just just about completely ruined Bill Murray. I love the part where yeah. like you know you don't have to go without health insurance. Oh, I don't. Is that because you've legally required me to purchase it? Is that why I don't have to go without it? Right. In fact, uh, I can't go I, without it. Is that because you'll find me uh, with large amounts of money if hey, I don't buy it? And the reason you've got the pre-existing condition covered, is that why my health care costs have skyrocketed? Well, and the coverage has gone crappier? Is that uh, why? Pat, you are mistaken because uh-huh. this weekend he said that there's insurance available for... Mm-hmm. Most Americans who get coverage through healthcare.gov can find a plan for less than $75 a month. That's not true. First of all, that's not true. Not at all. Uh, well, that's what he said. Not at all true. I'm just saying that's what he said. I, I, I doubt his, that is true. However, I mean, if you think about what that claim is, is correct. you're saying all people who don't have jobs, because people who have jobs are getting it a different way. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, our healthcare plan here is less than $75 a month if, if, if you're a single uh, person in a certain, whatever the, the particular right. plan is. Right. There's sub, multiple plans. But you can get it for less than $75 a month um, as well. Um, so they're probably surely talking about 75 But that's not most employees. 
That's a few employees who aren't who are single. First of all, it's mm-hmm. just single coverage for one person. It doesn't include families. It doesn't right. include your spouse. It doesn't include anything no. but you. But and, again, that's what I think he's referring and to. And it's on the lowest plan available now. And, and, and we can get not that counting deductible. Not on Obamacare. Right. Not counting seventy-five. Deductible. Sure, seventy-five a month under seventy-five sure. a month. Yep. With sure. Eight million dollar deductible. And that's exactly right. what he's saying. <laughs> right. That's what he's saying to uh, uh, oh, Obama. He's saying he's not man. including the deductible. Agonizing. Not and he's not the, 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 including the fact that that we're paying for that person's health care when they buy it you know with a hey hey we're shoveling you a couple hundred bucks a month so you can get it for 75 bucks a month um you're not talking about the subsidies either they just count that as well that's free money to the person buying it well yeah i guess technically to that person it is but it's not free to us it's not free to the country it's not free to our health care system which is being drained by this awful program uh that Mm. uh they wanted the guy from you know caddyshack to talk about for some reason but he's a good putter i will say bill murray at least there. Yeah. I mean, he's, wow. pretty good. he's a pretty good golfer. Yeah. I mean, Obama's embarrassing as an athlete in any way. We've seen him throw out pitches that are worse than any girl I've ever seen throw a ball. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he looks like a spaz when he throws the ball. He's <laughs> unbelievably ridiculous when he throws a ball. We, we've seen his form when he shoots a basketball, and he was supposed to be so brilliant as a basketball player. Oh. No. What was it he's, like? He's not. And then we've seen his swing on the golf course, which is terrible. And now we've seen his putt, which was awful. He was a three-footer. He putted it clear off onto the, under the, under the wood. He couldn't even hit the, I mean, just the parquet even if he floor. dinged the glass. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Uh, also, there's a WhiteHouse.gov mandate for the return of more on trivia to the Glenn Beck radio program. <laughs> the quote is, it is imperative, nice. it is imperative that Congress pass a bill and President Obama, uh, that President Obama signed that bill into law, decreeing that the Glenn Beck program return more on trivia ah. to its former glorious position on that Friday morning programs. Fantastic. Due to the fact that the level of shenanigans, horseplay, and all-around tomfoolery has dropped to an all-time low in the United States. Mm. We feel that the only irrational way to boost morale (laughs) levels and enhance productivity among the record low percentage of Americans, according to the workforce participation rate, not to be confused with the unemployment (laughs) rate, is to bring back more on trivia. Anything less is a travesty mockery. I mean, uh, Uh, that is great. That is great. Sign that petition, will you please? Yes. Sign that petition. I wonder how people get there. Uh, we'll have to maybe look for the link. You can go to whitehouse.gov and then yeah, look for can... the Glenn Beck program, I would say, right? That should probably do it. And I'll tweet the link out right now. You got it? I'll tweet yeah, the link. You tweet it out, uh, Pat Stu, uh, at Pat and Stu. Can you tweet it out at World of Stu? That would be funny no, if I'm they got 100,000 signatures. Jeffy MRA. Get 100,000 signatures. And they have to talk about it. They have to address it. They would technically have to address yeah. our stupid. It would be awesome. That would be fun. Uh, although I, it seems like awesome. a, a, a lot to get 100,000, but let's tweet it out and see what happens. Um, I don't know who, uh, I mean, you know, it's not our pr- official proposal, but we, I, I mean, I think if 100,000 people were to sign it, I don't know how we, we could get glad to do it, I think. And I would say we, the, the capability to do it is returning, right? We're, we're almost to the point now where we have the phone situation restored between uh, here in New York, and we, we've kind of eliminated New York, and now it's sort of here. And that's kind of, it was the transition that was the problem, right? It was a technical issue where we couldn't do it because we were moving all our stuff from New York to here. And so now, maybe it's possible. 888-727-BECK, more patents too, coming up in a minute. 
case that Jeffy found and felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore. So the 74th Golden Globe ceremony is January 8th, 2017. <clears throat> oh, wow. That's coming right on up. Those nominations for mm. that particular award ceremony mm-hmm. happened yesterday. Okay. All right. Yes. Best motion picture. Mm-hmm. Then this is drama, right? You doing Best drama? Best motion picture drama, yes. Drama. Because... I like how they split it they into split drama it. and comedy musical. They, so best motion picture comedy musical, best director, best yeah. actor in a motion picture drama, mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. actor in a motion picture comedy or musical. Okay, so drama. The dramas are the dramas are Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, I heard heard that we've heard that's really good. Hell or High Water, I, which I hope wins. I love that movie. Uh, what was that? Hell or High that. Water with Jeff Bridges uh, here in Texas. Oh right, where they yeah. rob the banks. Mm-hmm. Is it good? I love that movie. Yeah, it's a it's a modern day kind of. I have to see that on uh, on VidAngel before they get rid of it, which is like now, right? I thought it was already shut yeah, down. I it was no? shut is down. it already shut down completely? Uh, that's the thought. I you thought sent so. that, that email that, to us. I thought so. Well, yeah, but then you guys said it was they were just pending still or something. No, I think they the shut lawsuits. it down while the <clears throat> lawsuit goes forward. They said they weren't oh, going to stop. Geez. They weren't going to stop fighting it. Okay. Uh, no matter what, which. But it's out of business right now. Yeah, so no. okay. Anyway, go ahead. So which, tax, by the way, yeah. No, I mean we can talk. We can beat up VidAngel, beat up the movie industry a little bit for VidAngel if you want, and get back to the goal. Yeah, we can do that because or we'll get back to we'll okay. get back to the VidAngel. Right, that's fine. Hexar Ridge, Hell or High Water, yeah. Lion. Don't know that one. Manchester by the Sea. I've heard good Don't things about that one. that one. Moonlight. Wow, those are Moonlight. all nominated for Moonlight. best motion picture drama. I haven't I seen any of them. No, I haven't seen one of them. I mean, and uh, I've, I've heard Manchester by the Sea is like a love story, but it's pretty good. I have not seen. <laughs> I it mean, I, I Hacksaw Ridge. I'm planning on seeing. Uh, I kind of want. I mean, I've seen Hell or High Water, so it's going to be one of those two. These others, uh, eh, eh. never heard of. So wait, hold on. I just want to make sure I understand. The, the, the other the, ones. So the, the other ones don't count, dude. You can understand. You got that? Okay, yeah. That's, that's what I'm. Cl- okay. I wanted to clarify that you're Good. saying that none of the other ones can win because you haven't seen them or that's want correct. to see them. That's correct. So you Simple. know, the, could Manchester by the Sea could be right. the best movie of all time, but since you didn't want to see it or you haven't seen it, it can't win. It can't win. Okay. Just want to make sure I understand. Are we clear? Yeah. No, it's great. Okay. That good. was great. It was a great explanation. Thank you. Uh, all right, best You're motion welcome. picture, musical, or comedy? 20th Century Women. Never heard, Never of, heard it. of it. Deadpool. Uh, I, I heard see, that's I, great. And I did see that. And that La La Land? La La Land seems to be the big, know uh, you know, the big winner, supposedly. Really? Florence Foster Jenkins? Don't know that best one. Best motion heard picture, it. comedy, or musical? Sing Street. <clears throat> I will say, uh, watched Sing Street when my son was in town for Thanksgiving break. Uh, he had seen it at college, and I was really surprised. That was a that was a really good, unexpected, unexpectedly good. Movie. I've never heard of it. What's the premise? Really fun. Uh, it's a kid in high school who uh, starts a band to impress a girl, and uh, and then the, I mean the band continues to morph uh, depending on what he hears from his brother is cool, and it, I, it's just a great movie. It's tough to explain, but it's it's a it's a fun. It's a really good movie. Sing Street. All right. Highly recommend that. Jeffy. All right. So we'll do the best actor All right. in the motion picture uh, drama, and then we're gonna then we'll split to a TV. But the best actor in a motion picture and drama: Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea. Mm. Um, Joel Edgerton, Loving. So Casey Affleck mm. is Ben's brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Andrew Garfield, Hacksaw Ridge, which we've heard you know Glenn <clears throat> rave about. Oh yeah. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic. 
Hmm. And Denzel Washington, Fences. I, mean, I haven't heard any of these movies. Fences. I, I just I saw love a preview Denzel of too, on I, TV. I've not seen that. It, yeah, it's, they're just starting to really hit it hard. Uh, some critics said on the on the preview I saw <clears throat> on TV that it's he turns in one of the best performances of the last twenty years in this movie. So, wow. So, um, can you look through the uh, actress uh, uh, categories there and, and the comedy ones? Anything notable? You don't need to give us all of them, but anything notable? Anything you recognize? Anything anyone has seen in America at any time? <laughs> Deadpool for best actor in a okay. comedy or musical. Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about mm-hmm. uh, La La Land was mentioned. Was the yeah, and again, no one's seen that. That's Ryan Gosling, so... I haven't seen that. Nobody's seen it, yeah. uh, but I've, I've heard that's one of the critics' darlings. Uh, for best this actress in a drama: Natalie Portman, Jackie. Okay. Hmm. Um, motion picture comedy: Best Actress, uh, Annette Bening, still alive. A twentieth century yeah. woman. Okay. Uh, Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh, we ah! cannot have a Golden Globes award without Meryl Streep. For you can't what? Do it. <clears throat> Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, <laughs> what is that about, Florence? <laughs> Oh. I will guarantee I will not see it. Is, is that a uh, women's rights movie? Oh, yes. Of some yes, sort? it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suffrage? Yeah, the maybe? suffrage movement. Yeah, yes. Suffragettes was another yeah. movie. Yeah. You can't get enough suffrage movies. Uh, if oh. there's a suffrage movie coming out, you know I'm there. She was in that one, too, right? I'm there. I'm you know, it. funny, I she saw that bumper sticker on the back yeah. of the car. If there's, if a, there's suffrage a suffrage movie, movie. I'll be uh. there. <laughs> I am there on opening night. Yeah. Oh night. no no no! So. This one. I'm sorry. You're right, Stu. <laughs> right. The Suffragettes was a different movie. This one. Right. this one is the New York heiress who dreamed of becoming an opera singer. Oh boy! This I mean, is I, the, the Meryl Streep. That's the opera singer one. You cannot. Oh my gosh! Is uh, Lena Dunham in it? Because that's the only way I'd be it, less likely to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, that's probably that's a good bet too. She might like probably her. is in it. I do not. We got to like check. Her. I have, uh, all right, uh, all right. TV series. What wow. about TV series? What, yeah, what are the this ones is that are... a little a little. TV. We're getting to the point now that TV's better than movies. By yes, way. very much. Oh my so. gosh. I mean, it's just, yeah, the better the entertainment is actually on TV now. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, best TV series drama. Okay. The Crown. Yeah, I've heard good things about that. The Crown. Yeah, that's a. Glenn talked about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yeah, you expect that. Stranger Things. Okay. Oh, I actually like that. that. We watched that series. Oh, you did watch it? Yeah. Which, by the way, TV series are none of these other networks. No, so far none. Uh, This Is Us. That's a network. That's a network. That's big. I mean, they are promoting My wife loves it. My wife too. Live or die. I mean, really? Yeah. Like, if it's on, it's like... As big as appointment t- television I've seen with her in my entire I see life. It on the DVR. And she, it's like her. I just wow. walked. Like I walked in. We were doing some uh, filming and stuff here late. So I came back one night and she was just uh, on the chair in a blanket, sobbing as I walked in the door. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> I will say they're trying to jam that show down our throats. And they, it's pretty they well done. Are trying hard. It's interesting in that they they do a thing where it's the story of a family. But it's right. simultaneously told in two different time periods. So, like, you're seeing, like, the mom and the dad when they're Young. 20. Okay. And then they'll flash really quickly to them being 60. Um, and the kids are all grown up. Yeah. And then they'll go back and forth and, like, tell the story of why this was important. Well, then they flash back to the old one. And they flash back again. And you kind of... That's interesting. It's an interesting way of and telling the story. if you're not caught up, you sit down and you go, well, what are they doing now? I'll tell you in a minute. Is it oh, yeah. one of the? There's some skinny guy who seems to be married to or in love with a very large woman. 
No, they're brother and sister. Oh, they're brother and sister. Yes. The very large Because I was going to say, that would be unusual for television. They don't usually right. do that. And they didn't. Really good looking guy, uh, great big woman. They don't do that. No, and they, they do it they the other way all the time. Yeah, they do uh, it Kevin the other James way. Kevin James has made an entire life out of it. <laughs> uh, yes. The other way is fine yeah. for some reason. Well, there Kevin, is a double Kevin standard Kevin was married there. to this one for a while, wasn't he, on one of the shows? What, what's that? Isn't, wasn't Kevin married to this one? Uh, isn't that McCarthy? Uh, isn't that who that is? Yeah, no, you to, you've combined Mm-mm. like sixty-one different shows there uh, with that with that point. No, you, because uh, Kevin James was not in the fat person show that you're thinking of. McCarthy was, but she is not in This Is Us. No, and, so mean, you, this, you, that's you, not her. So there's three different shows. Three or four different there's shows. actually another fat the person, person on television. In there this is, is another fat person on television. Yes. <laughs> and this, the person in This Is Us, Jeffy, <laughs> Molly, right. makes oh, makes yeah, yeah. McCarthy. Oh yeah, look like a Barbie doll. I will say this is. I mean, she I've, only, I've only seen glimpses of her. You know, gigantic. I scared, so I I, in all seriousness, five hundred pounds, six hundred pounds, maybe. I don't think she's that fat. She's not. What's her name? I've only seen her a couple of times on previews, but it looked like. I will say that I could be wrong on this, but. But I don't think I've ever seen a fatter woman on television. No, I don't think so. Chrissy, and, and, and that's her role, by the way. Like she was chosen because she. The story is uh-huh. she's very fat. She's in a uh, weight loss, like um, Alcoholics Anonymous type of program, like Eaters Anonymous. That's what I need. Um, and no kidding, I needed to uh, after yeah, this Chrissy week. Chrissy Metz is. Um, and she is dating another gigantically fat guy. Um, from the same Ooh. program, and their struggles are documented through this. Okay. Um, and but I mean, like, so you know, she was chosen because that was the role. It was someone who has such a big eating eating problem mm-hmm. that they can't that they need to go to like a legitimate program to stop it. Um, so that is part of it. And she, they're very self deprecating about it throughout the show. It's it's I mean, it's very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you're right. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone quite uh, yeah. as large I, as her on television. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, which is, you know, not I mean, a lot of parts for a person that large. Wow, she is. Yeah, you know. For even guys too. I mean, for I, guys or girls, right? Yes. But like, you might you might see the fat guy. You know, the fat guy gets on television in in a few ways. Sometimes, in, you know, well, the news, guy in Lost. Yep, yeah, was know, he was pretty big. Was pretty big. Uh, you could go with comedy shows. The big fat funny guy, the Chris Farley type character, mm-hmm. gets in there a lot. A mm-hmm. lot of times, you'll see it on news and talk programming. Uh, yes. <laughs> what? Like every day on this network. Yes, I'm just looking, boy, for her size. I mean, she's she is tipping some scales now. Like, what do you think? What do yeah, you what, guess? What, what's your guess? You're, you're supposedly the expert on that. So, yeah, I don't know how tall five she, bills, she's four bills. I don't think she's. No, she's I don't not think five. she's that big. I mean, she's four. big, but she's four hundred pounds. Yeah, well, she's, she's probably four hundred pounds. Yeah, she's over four. Yeah, do you think over four? I don't know. She. I mean, but again, well, like that's been, the role, if, and that's if what that, if, if she's part of the weight loss thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and she's really trying, and they're paying her some money to be part of the show, and she's really trying. So I'm sure she, you know, she. That's the position to be in, too, by the way, because you're sitting there and you're like, you know what? Look, I've gained a lot of weight. I'm, a, I'm, I'm big at this point, but you know what? For work, I have to be. I would, <laughs> I, can you ever justify that like that, Jeff? You're like, you know what? Look, it's part of the show. You know, to, I'm serious. I think I would say that. You know, we, we sit here, we make fun of ourselves for being fat all the time. Uh, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, no one expects me to look good on television. I might as well eat this extra pizza pizza. Why not? I'm there all the time. Stu, have you been listening to my conversation? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we've got The Crown on Netflix, right, Game of Thrones, HBO, Stranger Things, Netflix. This is us on NBC. That's the only network television program. Yep, and, one then, more, and one more Westworld. And then Westworld. Westworld, yeah. On HBO. Westworld, Westworld, I lost interest Glenn loves, in it. Glenn loves Westworld. Yes, he does. And I, I, uh, I, I made it the it. first two, and I'm with you, although I'm going to plow through it again. I'm gonna plow I will say, 
we, we both stopped in the same episode. I think I watched two. Mm. I may have got to the third I one, I got, and I was I just was like, just "Why am I watching this? This boring. isn't good." Like it was one of those that, like, I was I was very into it, the idea of it, and I started watching it, and then after a while, I was like, "Wait a minute." This isn't actually good, right? <laughs> like I actually had to like have this same moment place. of awareness. Same this isn't in, this isn't yeah, interesting at all. With many series, same yeah, that's weird. Yeah. But Westworld, I would expect to be great because I love the movie so much. But uh, and and Glenn says this is according if to you hang with it. it gets well, really according good. to critics, it's cerebral. But I mean, I like I that's, like that crap, right? I, I mean, I you I know do I, I don't mm-hmm. mind sitting around for what shows would be identified as boring. I just. I don't know. It just didn't. See, it just was not. Well, good I will say that uh, the one thing that has me here, really, one, one more thing, really do ticked mm-hmm. about this uh, Golden Globe Awards. Yeah. Uh, what is missing from the best TV series drama? Oh, I don't know. The number one show on television. Yeah, oh, good Dead point. Out there. Good point. Walking Dead. Well, you know, no, nothing. No Walking Dead in the Golden Globes recognized True. for any of it. True, but it Come got ridiculous now. this year. Maybe that's why. Come on, it got now. ridiculous. No, they, I mean they haven't been. And it got re- yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's still number one, Pat. Okay, <laughs> not a, but not by as much. Still number one. It's Pat. lost yeah, seven million viewers. No, the, well, that's not really true. Triple A, yes, it is really no, true. Is More true. Pat and Stu coming up in a minute. It is it actually is true. really no, true. It is not. Yes, true. it is. Seven million is not true. Six million, six or seven million not- from the opening episode. No, no, no. Yes, no. Yes. Hi, welcome back. Uh, uh, we were talking about uh, we were talking about VidAngel and um, the ruling that just happened to them. And you knew this was coming. There's just too many really powerful movie companies involved here, including Disney and uh, I think Paramount is involved. All all four of the largest oh, are, they're all, are involved. Yeah, they're in all hammering them hard. And so they sued them to, to shut down. Now, VidAngel, if you're not familiar with it, it allows you to edit out certain. Uh, sex acts, nudity, language, whatever, and you you can leave in as much or or take out as much as you want of a movie. So of the movie, it would do a little self edit mm-hmm. to a PG or a PG thirteen level or whatever you want. So it just allows you if you don't watch R rated movies, you can you can take out the stuff that makes it R rated and watch it. I mean, I, I don't understand the need for these companies to have it to have the F word in their freaking movie. Why? Well, well why? Well, I would never. Use Vid Angel. Yeah. Uh, so what? I know. So I know. What? So what? Well, it, if you, I mean, they, but they're apoplectic about it. You got to have the nudity. You got to have the violence. You got to have. You got to have the language. Otherwise, I mean, I they don't agree want you to that. see it at what, all. I agree with that one hundred percent. Just it's bizarre. It's have bizarre. you got them to add in more nudity yet? Has that feature been added? <laughs>
what is the definition of fake news? There's so many categories, and so many people are trying to. I'm going to say news is not real. Yeah, but in what way? Right? In, like, in that it didn't happen. In well, that it did not. Like, it's, it's things that didn't happen that are being reported as if they, ha- in fact, ha- happened. Let me give you some examples. Uh, okay. Dan Rather, uh, his reporting on uh, the Bush uh, thing where he was, you know, the, the fake documents about his service. Right. Remember mm-hmm. that whole scandal mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. the 2000 or 2004 election? Can't remember. Yes, two thousand four. Two thousand four. Uh, was that? Would you classify that as fake news? No, because Dan Rather is on the left. He's with CBS News. <laughs> You're not- it is not possible for a <laughs> for a lefty news guy to do fake news. Yes, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, you know, it's only fake if it comes from the right. You know that. That's not true. You know, a lot of the Brian stories Williams? about no. fake news have I mean, talked Brian about Williams left wing game. doing it just as often as the right wing does. Stuart, um, you know that's not true. You made me gouge my eye because that was so false. And <laughs> that's okay, not how you no, react okay. to something that's not true. <laughs> Are you gouging your own eye? Like, well, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the reason I ask this is because uh-huh. there is that sort of issue going on where people are like, everyone's now just saying every story they don't like is fake news. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. there's just like, oh, well, uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know, something on um, something that Trump does. Well, the Virginia well, rape story, for instance, from Rolling Stone. Mm-hmm. That's fake yeah, news. That's kind of where right? I'm going in that. Like, I, is that fake news? Now, I don't know that it meets the... Or is it just reported incorrect? Right. Like, I think there's a line between a mm-hmm. somewhat respectable journalistic organization, like, you know, CBS News, right? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Doing something and being fooled by a source but willing to go along with it because they wanted it to be true so badly. Mm-hmm. That is that fake news? I feel like that's probably on the other line because on I think fake news, p- most purely, is the thing on Facebook where an, a, a, an organization that no one's ever heard of, and there's no reason to believe, makes up fake stories to try to fool people. Yeah. And I don't think that okay. that's not what CBS News did necessarily. They no, they went I, along with some yeah. they, they didn't question a, so, a story they wanted to be true. Same with Rolling well Stone. Enough. And Rolling Stone's exact same type of story. And that like mm-hmm. you really look at that story and Rolling Stone desperately wanted that story to be true. So they did everything they could to believe the source without and checking into it. Fake news is a lot of stuff that should have pops up on InfoWars. Right, Prison like InfoWars. Info that uh, that's a good... Uh, and also, even further than that, you see on the internet stories that are like, you know, Donald Trump, uh, you know, uh, does surgery on person to save their life in, in you know, South Carolina. And you're like, wait a minute, that, why didn't I hear about that? Well, because it wasn't even a real story. And they do a lot of stories that are just completely made up to make you either like Donald Trump more or like Hillary Clinton more or like Donald Trump less or like Hillary Clinton less or whatever the story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a, in an industry. It seems to be that industry mo- is generally motivated by profit. They think that they, if they put a crazy headline out there, even if the story is not true, enough people will share it because they don't read the stories. They'll click on it and they'll be able to actually um, add uh, subscribers and make money. Um, so that is that's sort of a different world. I kind of went into this a little bit with a, a guy from Reason.com, uh, Robbie Suave, who's a guy who's one of the first people who was skeptical of the Rolling Stone report, um, which is it was a, not a popular position to be in. Uh, when they first uh, air, they first wrote up this long story about this vicious rape of a woman in college. Watch.
now to the original plan. Ah, the X-Files. It's true. Yeah, the truth is out there. And we've learned that from the X-Files, and we also learned that Gillian Anderson is pretty attractive. But more importantly, the truth is out there. It's kind of hard to believe that anymore, though. We now live in a post-fact world where the truth doesn't really matter anymore. Thankfully, there are some dutiful sleuths left who made digging for the truth their mission. Here to analyze some recent fabrications that dupe many is associate editor at Reason.com, Robbie Suave. Robbie, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. You, let me take you back in time a little bit. December 1st, 2014, 9, 10 a.m. You click publish on a story entitled, Is the UVA Rape Story a Gigantic Hoax? Before we get into the details of the story, tell me about the backlash of just that story getting out there. Yeah, it was uh, not a popular thing to say at the time. Um, I had no idea that this was going to be the defining story of my career for the next few years. Uh, when I wrote it, I just thought, and you know, I didn't think I was making a strong claim. I just, uh, upon rereading the story, thought that uh, you know there were some there were some issues here. There were some reasons for skepticism and doubt, and just uh, expressing them uh, made a lot of people, particularly the kind of feminist leaning left. Uh, very, very upset. I do have to say uh, many of them apologized to me uh, when all was said and done. So I, do, I don't hold grudges. But uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I was among the first to uh, to say there's something fishy here. Yeah, you, you really were. And it's it's a I mean, we're talking about a story and we'll go through the whole timeline here. But I mean, this is a story where millions of dollars wind up, uh, you know, changing hands. It's a it's a, you know, reputations are destroyed. And I mean, it is really a a big deal. And and, and it it really has kind of it's kind of an amazing one because people are so uncomfortable questioning things like this. And we obviously want to be uh, a society that if there is a legitimate um, uh, question of an assault or a terrible crime like this, we want to take it seriously always. However, it was kind of the Hillary Clinton standard that, that they should always be believed. And that is, I think, the part where we go too far. Um, we kind of get this idea that because the accusation of a crime, if true, would be terrible, we don't put on our thinking caps. Right. And this was such a um, specific crime. I mean, it was such a, a incredible thing she ended up alleging to this uh, to the magazine, to Rolling Stone, that, you know, a number like nine people had horrifically assaulted her at a specific fraternity on a specific night in question. And uh, but they had but, what you know, when we looked at it, they had so little evidence to verify that that had actually happened. And then I don't think, you know, obviously they didn't expect that it would it would so quickly within days we would know that she had just completely fabricated this unbelievable story that she had been pretending to be uh, this made up uh, person and had been sending text text messages to a friend she had a crush on pretending she was this guy who who she then said assaulted her and it was just a capacity for for lying unlike uh, kind of anything we you know were accustomed to normally seeing and the magazine just totally got taken in by it they didn't do the very um, easy things they could have done and then that they would have known she was lying before they published it they didn't interview friends of Jackie's who would have been able to say Hey, wait a minute! That that didn't happen. We never said that. The things attributed to us to us in the story uh, are are not are not our words. They they would have been. But but the author relied on Jackie's um, 
on, on Jackie's testimony that, no, my friends don't want to talk to you. Um, she was the single source for the whole thing. I think that's really what it comes down to, just relying on a single person and not, not even trying to verify. Even if, even if you're inclined to believe them and you're showing them uh, sympathy and sensitivity, um, it, it's, it's the believe all victims. There was no verification made for journalism, for a, for a, for a project of journalism. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of people get sucked into this. We've seen this with sort of the fake news controversy that sprung up from the election and that people just tend to believe stories immediately if they verify their worldview. And I think Rolling Stone's worldview going into this is that there's a huge campus rape problem. Nobody on campus cares about it. The administration doesn't care about it. And so they went into it with this idea, essentially, to find someone who proved that point. And when you kind of reverse engineer a story like that, you can really get yourself into a lot of problems. Um, you, well, and nothing, you, go ahead. Yeah. I was just to say, nothing is more emblematic of that than the fact that even after they knew the story was false, even after the author sent an email saying, we must do a full retraction, Jackie, is, it's clear to me she lied, mm. they didn't take it down. And to this day, even in the, the trial, the publisher says it, it was a mistake to, to retract it because... The story is true enough. The spirit it's trying to capture, the message it's trying to send, the broader narrative is true, just not just not Jackie's part of it, which is of course which is of course ridiculous. The whole thing falls apart without that narrative. Of, but, co- uh, of course, I, I, and it was interesting. The uh, you caught one of the first details that really started to make it uh, questionable to me initially, which was the article. Uh, I think it was the Washington Post did an article. And they did it, they presented it in a way of, you don't believe the amount of research they did to verify the story. Going back to look at her, her, her career history as a lifeguard, and they went way back and, and made it seem like they had done all this research. Um, but, but they sort of disclosed that when asked about whether she knew who these attackers were, she would not verify that she knew. You wrote this, I have no reason to believe uh, the author and I understand why she would choose not to disclose anyone's identity, but she, but she should be able to confirm that she knows who the attackers are, shouldn't she? Again, we don't have to know who they are, but we should know that she knows. These are very low hurdles to clear for a journalist, and it's why this thing wound up in court, really, isn't, isn't it? I mean, because they didn't even cross that very basic barrier. Yeah, exactly. You don't print anonymous allegations against someone who doesn't have the opportunity to defend themselves uh, is just kind of a basic rule of journalism. Or you, you have to do some research on your own to, to satisfy uh, a level of certainty that it's true. Uh, you know, I've had, I, I'm a journalist, I write stories. Sometimes, you know, I really believe something, you know, very 99% sure this, this story checks out, but then my editors say, well, but you weren't able to clear this, you know, you weren't able to square this whole, so, so then it doesn't end up getting published. That's how it works. It's frustrating, but... <laughs> This is why, you know, it's a paid, it's not a hobby. It's a, it's a, it's a serious job. And, and I can't, for as much as, as uh, Sabrina Rubin early, for as badly as she screwed up, it's almost, the editors are almost even more on the hook from my standpoint that they didn't say, Hey, we just need you to do this, this, and this, and then it's all good. And that would have, that would have solved the whole, then you would have known the story was false before it was published. And for that many people to have said, yeah, we really like this story. It tells the exact narrative about sexual assault that we that we are inclined to believe, and it'll be you know it'll sell a lot of magazines, I guess. 
uh, will just ignore these problems uh, is inc- it was incredible. And it's it's still incredible that they're not as sorry as you'd think they should be. Yeah, I mean, and they continue to do crappy journalism, honestly, uh, ever, ever since. They have not, there's no, there's not going to be a change at Rolling Stone at this point, I suppose. Um, uh, you wrote in the initial article, if Jackie, you know, the uh, victim, is lying, there's a good chance she will be caught and Early's career ruined. Uh, it was prescient. Uh, you really, uh, you, you kind of called exactly how this thing turned out. And while I wanted to bring you on for many different reasons, one of which uh, probably chiefly was just to just gloat about it because, uh, you know, and this is a good gloat because this means probably this attack didn't happen. These things didn't happen. These horrible crimes didn't occur. This is a moment we should all celebrate that we're actually looking into a claim. We find the truth about it and an assault didn't occur. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what I I tweeted at at one of my critics. Like, I'm just I'm happy this didn't happen. We should all be happy this didn't happen. Who's sitting around going, man, that uh, that horrific gang rape of a of a student, um, um, it never happened. I'm bummed. Like, it's crazy. It it Um, is really where people go though, because they get so invested in the narrative. Um, and and that that is a real problem. So take us forward to the trial now. Um, what did you learn watching the trial as you followed it? Yeah, the trial was uh, really incredible. So she, uh, she obviously, um, uh, Rolling Stone lost. Uh, the, the, it, it was the dean of, of, of students, Nicole Aramo, uh, the UVA dean who was really made out to be the villain of this story. Uh, I mean, aside from the people who did it, she was shown as, as kind of really indifferent to Jackie and other victims of sexual assault. All these quotes attributed to her that she says she never said, and we have every reason to believe she never said. Uh, now, uh, so she sued Rolling Stone and Sabrina Rubin Erdley, and, uh, and, and she won. And it was an, really a, a high legal bar she had to clear because in a previous uh, court a proceeding, they ruled that she was a public figure, which means she had to demonstrate that Rolling Stone uh, was, was not, just, not just defamed her, but was actual malice, that there was so much uh, 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 willful evil involved in the, in the story, so much almost <laughs> deliberate recklessness. Uh, for her to win her case. And she did win her case uh, largely by saying, look, you left this story up online for months after, <laughs> after the author of it sent an email saying, I, I know this thing is false. Uh, I don't believe Jackie anymore. They left it. And in fact, they sort of republished it online. And that was her argument that like, you know, forget everything that happened before that. At this point, you knew you were, you were defaming me and you didn't do a, a thing about it. And even in trial, they, again, they didn't think it should be, should be retracted. So they were so unapologetic about this horrible mistake they made. I, I mean, I personally, I, I have to admit, I felt it was like a little cathartic when she won yeah. uh, to just, you know, the, the, the jury, a jury of, of, of your peers got to say they really did wrong by you. This is an egregious, uh, egregious uh, violation uh, of, of, uh, of, of the law. Uh, regarding libeling people, which, you know, I'm a free speech enthusiast. I don't think everyone should be sued for saying things that are wrong or or malicious all the time. This is a really exceptional example of that. And uh, I think they were wise to say that, that, uh, that she deserved to win. Robbie Suave, uh, reason.com. We'll talk to you in a couple of years when you've busted over, (laughs) open another big story. Thanks for having me.
727 Beck is the phone number. Welcome to the Patents Two Show. Uh, today, Kanye West. Obviously, as we all expected today, when we woke up, we all thought to ourselves, this is the day Kanye West is going to the White House. Or or not the White House, but Trump Tower. What effectively is the White House at this point? It's the White House North now. Uh, Apparently it is. Uh, We don't really know why uh, yet this occurred. They had the weirdest photo op afterward, though. They're standing in the, the, uh, it looked like the lobby of the the Trump Tower. Mm -hmm. And they're standing side by side. Trump has be- is beaming the smile like, yeah, with Kanye West right now. And Kanye has this sourpuss face on, and he refused to smile. Uh, he, was not, he was not looking like that. He, it looked like he was pissed. So I, I don't know if he's just trying to be cool. I don't know if he's trying to uh, talk to his fans and say, hey, I wasn't happy about this. I don't like this guy. I, I don't know what the deal I mean, was. He said he was going to vote for him if he had voted, which he did not. He said that on stage a few weeks ago. Uh, West would not discuss the details of the meeting and ignored questions about whether he plans on performing Trump's inauguration. Because why not? Uh, He also ignored question about whether he wishes he had voted for Trump, because obviously he did not. But he said he would have. They've been friends for a long time, apparently. Uh, The reason for the visit is not clear, though I think some things are pretty clear. Uh, from this meeting. And we want to bring in Matt Walsh, of course, from TheBlaze.com. You can read him uh, there all the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, Matt, it's amazing. And by the way, welcome to the program. Um, it's, hey, it's, thanks for having me. It's amazing to see this because I kind of feel like, and I think you do too, that if, I don't know, let's say Barack Obama were to have done this type of thing with a, with a celebrity, uh, the right would have been going absolutely nuts. Yeah, we don't even have to get into hypotheticals we he did do this kind of thing all the time and uh the right did go nuts i mean we don't even have to go back that far in the future i think it was just last week that obama had uh bill murray in the in the in the oval office and they're playing Mm -hmm. golf or whatever into a into a a cup and uh and conservatives were you know complaining about that and making fun of them and saying you know this is a celebrity presidency and so on and so forth and rightfully so but now it's just like this whiplash that goes on because uh, all of a sudden the celebrity, it's not even that now the celebrity president thing is okay because it's happening simultaneously. We still have the one celebrity president. He's still not okay, but the new version is okay. And it's just, uh, it's very confusing. I, I, I have trouble keeping up sometimes. I mean, it's incredible. This is, I mean, because it's not just he's meeting with, with uh, Kanye West, which is ridiculous enough. I mean, I, the, the, you know, the man's absolutely insane. I, you'd think there'd be Secret Service issues with him even being within 100 feet of the, of the president-elect. Uh, but in addition to that, Donald Trump is blowing off press conferences, saying he's too busy uh, for actual interviews with journalists, and then trotting out Kanye West, Ray Lewis, uh, Jim Brown today, I mean, it's just a slew of celebrities. It's as if he's just living out this life he's always wanted to live where everyone all of a sudden likes him. Yeah, by the way, I can't imagine a conversation between Kanye West and Donald Trump because they're both, you know, self-obsessed narcissists and they're not capable of stringing together a coherent sentence. So I, just, I can't even imagine what that conversation sounds like. But, but yeah, it, 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 you know, a lot of conservatives say, well, it's, it's good that he's blowing off the press conferences because to hell with the press, to hell with the media. You know, it's another middle finger to the media, and so a lot of Republicans get really excited about that. But it's not just that he's blowing off the—I don't care that he's offending CNN or NBC, but it's just that 
he's not answering questions. He's not putting himself in a position where he has to actually answer questions in real time. And so it, it's, it's, it's also an offense to the Reds. It, it's not just the media. It's us. We have questions we would like him to answer, and he's refusing to put himself in a position where he has to answer them. So I think um, this that's something that conservatives are going to have to come grips, grips with here. One of the most amazing things, Matt, uh, to, to me to behold in the last year, but especially since the election and especially since meeting with Al Gore and the trillion-dollar package he just uh, proposed and a, a host of other issues that conservative pundits would be railing about if it was anybody else. They're fine with, they either ignore or find some way to excuse. Like, well, if the trillion dollars is spent improving our airports, people are going to like that. That kind of nonsense, which they would never excuse. And they certainly did not excuse with Barack Obama with a, with a lesser stimulus package. What, what is the hold that Donald Trump has on some of, of these top conservative pundits, do you think? Yeah, do you have any idea? Do you have a take on that? I think uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. I mean, some of it is the top conservative pundits who are responsible for putting them in, the, in, the, in, the, in office. They, they know that they have their reputations and their pride at, at stake here. So uh, they have a reason to defend everything he does for their own sake. Um, there are other things. But, but I think really it's just we're learning something about human nature that I think we already knew, which is that hypocrisy is not something that just exists among liberals, that's a part Boy, of the human sure. condition. And yeah. um, and remember that hypocrisy is not just, yeah. oh, I, I say something and then I do the opposite. It's I say something I don't really believe. That's hypocrisy. It's to pretend that you believe something that you don't actually believe. And what we're learning is that among conservatives and liberals, it's just there, there aren't a lot of people who have really solid convictions and beliefs and principles. What people do is they cobble together this haphazard set of principles depending on circumstances, depending on what would be convenient for them, depending on, you know, what mm-hmm. just what other people are saying. And it happens on the right and the left. It's not, And I think it happens in, in equally proportionate numbers. And, and so that, that's what explains it. I've been surprised by that, though. Maybe I'm just naive. Has that surprised you or did you expect it? I can't say I totally expect it. I mean, I, I think we all knew that human beings are flawed. It's been that way since Adam. But, yeah. um, no, I guess I would have liked to believe that... It was a little bit less common among conservatives. I thought that yeah. we were sort of we were the more rational ones, mm-hmm. more thoughtful, mm-hmm. and I think that's true of some. I mean, true of some conservatives, but uh, there's a lot, a lot more thoughtlessness than than I thought uh, going yeah. into this. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I don't know if we're. You look at this, and I don't know if we're parsing it too. Maybe we're making too big of a deal out because it's it, where we are, and it's our industry. But I have always thought when I've watched people at times be uh, hypocrites and they would change their principles and they'd move some way and take some weird position that obviously didn't align with their typical worldview. Usually it was kind of an excuse that the, the, the ends justify the means, right? Like, so you're taking this position with this, you know, you see this with, with, uh, with people on, um, uh, on the left all the time where they would take a position that, you know, They'll they'll say it because it's popular, but in the end, they just want to get the votes so they can get into, let's say, grow government or whatever the progressive ideal is. With Republicans, I don't understand what the ends are here. The ends seem to be just to please this man in his golden tower. 
And I don't, I, I mean, I can understand, although it's, it's not ideal, I can understand people being loose with certain principles at times. As you say, it's a human condition, people do it. But it's usually towards some sort of measurable goal or direction. Here, other than just empowering themselves and pleasing this man they've made into a god, I don't, I don't understand even what the ends are. Do you have any idea where they're going? I think for, well, it depends on, on who we're talking about, but, but for some high-profile conservatives, whether they're Republicans or media people, uh, I, I do think that, that there's a lot of it that they really do just want to please him because they like hanging out with him and they want to be his friend. Mm. And I guess he's a super personable guy when you meet him in person. That's what everyone says. And, uh, you know, so, so there, there's some of that that goes into it. But then also it's, it's, um, it's even simpler than that, that we know, you know, conservatives are trying to, especially in media, they're trying to please their audience. And so there's just not going to be a huge audience in the next four to eight years or conservative criticism of Trump, even when it's warranted. We saw that in the mm. primaries and in the campaign. It's going to continue. It's going to be even less so now. Mm-hmm. But there's just not going to be a huge audience for it. And the audience is going to be uh, defending Trump against liberal attacks. That's what most conservatives in media are going to be doing now. They're going to be de facto uh, spokesmen for Donald Trump, mm. defending him against liberal attacks. And that's what people want to hear. And there's just not going to be a huge audience of people that want to hear criticisms, criticisms from the right. Um, and so it's just a business. It's a business decision. It's a business calculation that most of these people have made. And uh, as far as that goes, it, it's maybe not the most, it's not, it's not the most honest calculation, but it, it's a, it makes sense, to, you know, from a financial perspective. Uh, before we let you go, Matt, I, I wanted to get your take on this. The uh, Alex Jones, conspiracy theorist uh, uh, extraordinaire, um, is is going through an interesting thing here where now he is going to go from thinking the government is lying every single time they say anything, whether it's about Sandy Hook or 9-11 or any of these things. And now with Trump as president, he his business model is changing as well, in which it is going to be his uh, uh, his principle will be believing every single thing the government says. Are you as entertained as I am to watch that happen? I get, I've entertained is one one word for it. <laughs> slightly, uh, maybe even slightly disgusted. Also, there's a weird mixture of disgusted and entertained that I've experienced quite a bit recently. Uh, yeah, I don't know how he's going to swing that. I mean, he's been able to swing it, but but for for a sustained period of time for years of just defending the government. That is going to be a really weird thing, and, and uh, I, I'll be interested just as a spectator to see if he can pull that off or if eventually he just gets tired of it and realize, and goes back to his, to his old ways. But I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to, to watch and find out. All right, Matt Walsh for The Blaze. What's your next uh, piece going to be about? Do you know yet? I am uh, still, or I guess I should know that, but I guess I'm still working on it at the moment, to be honest with you. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> thanks. So look at theblaze.com, and you'll see it when he thinks of what it is. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Triple eight seven two seven 727 back eight 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 seven two seven B E C K more Pat and Stu coming up. He should do something on the frogs turning gay. That would be oh, a yeah. really good, interesting yeah. piece. Or maybe or what shrimp, about the shrimp suicide? Shrimp, shrimp aside? Yeah. Oh, you, you, you're on that one too, on right huh? Now. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. they're just walking up to, just walking to, to up birds seagulls and, and, and being, eaten. being eaten. And, and they, that's something. They're, they're screaming, eat me.
Hi. Ah, uh, well, you might say, hey, you guys look fat today, uh, and you'd be right. We're uh, about to get even fatter. That's right, double spoons today. You ever hear that? Double, double spoons? spoons. That's right. Oh, uh, wow. We go to the Texas State Fair in just a few moments Okay. Uh, to uh, t- a sample food of some Something. kind. Uh, I'm guessing fried, last page. fried food of some sort. Uh, and it is a, <laughs> what is it? Fried spaghetti and meatballs. Nasty. I mean, seriously, if we would have had just one bite of all of this stuff or done it on different days or something, it would have been probably fine. Yeah. But it wasn't, and we didn't, well, so... And uh, this is a big strategic error by both gross, Jeffy man. and Pat, which was yeah. to, the first thing we ate was a red velvet funnel cake. And that was delicious. And it was delicious. I liked it. I liked it. Um, and then what happened was they ate the whole funnel cake. Well, now, most of it, at least. So when you're sampling foods, you're gonna have, you know you're going there to have... 12 or 13 segments of us eating, mm-hmm. you don't eat the entire first thing you come across. Well, I, I want to go on record. I did not eat the entire thing. Yes, you did. No, I did not. You might have left one bite. What, powdered sugar on the plate? I did not. That It was being shared by everyone. No, we all had our own. Oh, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so we will go and try a fried spaghetti and meatballs here in, in just a moment. Um, let's first uh, catch you up on a couple of things that are uh, that There are was going a time, on. Stu, when America's outlawed Christmas. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, Good morning, everybody. But there was a time in America with the pilgrims, religious pilgrims who arrived in North America in the early 17th century. Why are you century. talking like that? Because it's that kind of story. Okay. All right. Uh, the pilgrims uh, in the 17th century uh, demanded the citizens work on December 25th and shut down any merrymaking. And they eventually outlawed Christmas altogether. Oh, that's, that's some serious Grinchifying right there. <laughs> what a bunch of Scrooges they were. Um, yeah, that's, I would agree with that. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a good analysis. Why were they? So Grinch-like? I, I don't, for, wait, for why one, are you talking so Why are they so Grinch-like, Stu? Yeah. Well, for one thing, they disliked the celebration of Christmas, uh, which they nicknamed Fool's Tide because they disliked celebration in general. Any kind of celebration was apparently wrong to these uh, uh, tight butts. Uh, and <laughs> so uh, the Puritans were a hard-working lot, and they pointed out that besides the Sabbath, the Bible said nothing about resting any other day. The birth date of Jesus the Na- of Nazareth was included in that. So it doesn't because it doesn't say anything about celebrating Jesus' birthday, except it does, actually. They, I mean, there were wise men that brought him gifts. Seems like a little bit of a celebration. They gathered there together. A whole bunch of people could be like a party sort of thing. Uh, gifts were exchanged. Uh, pleasantries had. I mean, I, I, you can make a case that it does say in the Bible they did have a celebration. I mean, did they do fireworks? Did they have a Christmas tree? No, probably not. Uh, I mean, there's so been, there were feasts. There, there were, were feasts. You know, I mean, we, they were experiencing the feast of the Passover right then. Yeah, I mean, I. So weird. I never, I've never really fully understood that. But you yeah, know what? I don't get that. Sometimes, but I'm not a Puritan, so there's times. Sometimes there's just not enough room to try to understand everything. Are there Puritans? You know, sometimes you just are calm there down. Puritans left. I don't know, but like uh, there are religions that do not. Uh, there like are Jehovah's Witness, right? Is, yeah, is a big, big one that does not do birthdays or a lot Christmas. of the holidays, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, so you that'd know. be pretty close, I guess, right? It's similar, yeah. yeah. I guess they had the same sort of analysis. Uh, beyond that, the Bible said nothing about which day Christ was born, and that, and that is true. But so what? 
so much. All right, all right. I mean, you're you celebrating. You picked a day on the calendar year to celebrate it. That's yeah. the important part, like, is remembering Jesus. When, your, when my kids' birthdays ha- happen on a Tuesday, we generally wait to the weekend or do it the weekend before so all the friends can come. You don't cancel it. Entirely. I don't care. We're not like, you know what? We're never having another birthday we're never doing in our life because it's doing Tuesday. It. I don't even remember what day of the week they were born, so we're not going to do it any, <laughs> anymore. We're only going to do it when it be, is Tuesday <laughs> and the 9th. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just a, yeah, it's a weird line. Now, I understand the overindulging thing. I, I kind of I get that. You know, there was people who were, there were people, there were religious people who were concerned that maybe we were taking this celebration too far, and maybe it became irreverent and, and gluttony is one of those. Gluttony, the big, and, you know, hate overindulgence. I mean, those you, bastards. No, I'm, I know, but there's something to be said for that. You could at sure. least understand it, right? Yeah, and I, yeah, exactly. Not doing it at all, I, I, I can't fully comprehend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's see. We have, uh, how, yeah, we still have plenty of time. Let, let's do this. Um, I, I guess there's apparently this video we've had for uh, going on all week. We might as well let's do this one. This is uh, about uh, how to build a fire at home. Watch. All right. Sometimes your electricity might go out. The heat might not be there. We're right. in a cold climate. You got to know how to build a fire. So that's what I'm going to show you today. Okay. Number one thing you need, you're going to need some wood. If you haven't gone out and gotten wood, maybe you should go and do that. In a worst case scenario, you can also use furniture, like that table there. So be prepared to use all the resources you have available. A log like this is very, very good. Notice how it's very dry and you can get nice small pieces of tinder to get your fire started. Look for these as your first log. Okay. One of the best things you can find when trying to start a fire is some birch bark like this. Easily flammable, very hot, easy to start a fire with. Very Key, hot. Birch bark. Why is start laying out your wood, largest to smallest. One of these work perfect as a base it, for your does fire. Does he mean it burns Take hot? that first. Yes. Then work with this log to get some nice pieces of dry tinder. Okay. Also, having a small hatchet... You can make some tinder if you don't have a dry log like this. So simply, you know, start <laughs> hacking away and watch it. making your own tinder. <laughs> so weird. Okay, we've got our <laughs> wood. Smile chunks, some medium-sized chunks. The smile at every cut is, is interesting. Very, very good. First, just tear off some simple pieces of the birch bark, very, very small, to mix in with your very light tinder. Mm-hmm. This, this make a the base kind of out of some of the heavier it's stuff. Super helpful. Right, right, right in the middle. It is That's actually super helpful. A smile. A couple of cool tools that you can use to start your fire. One, a flint like this, and another traditional flint where you would shave off flakes of magnesium. Why would you use a flint when I've got a lighter? Start the fire. Or these handy-dandy things that Robbie gave me. This thing's amazing. Holy cow, that is cool. However, there's something called a lighter. And you, you push a button and, it, and a flame comes on. Wait, why, what why would I do that? it that way? Why did we? And what was that? Like, I thought that was going to end in, like, him blowing himself up or something. Right. Yeah, I did too. What was the end of that? Or what? not being able to do it. I thought it was going to end with him going to the side of the fireplace and turning the gas on. Right. That's or, how like, you yeah, start some a fire. joke or. So is the play there that that is a serious guy and in the video is just essentially awkward? Yes, I'm being told. I mean, I did like his his goofy smile at the end of every single <laughs> sentence. But that, that was Brian Matson does is that his YouTube. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, now I know how to build a fire as well. Well, um, you can also take a Presto log, put it in your fireplace, take a lighter, and light it, and then you're done. 
Okay, that's an interesting. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. I actually have a light yeah. switch. I, I actually I have do a light too. switch where you just go bunk and it and just then, comes on. And then I, I can actually key. actually turn the fire up or down depending yeah, on that's that, nice. how much I want it to burn. Oh, that's nice. We are spoiled. And, uh, uh, and you I don't like have it. the up or down thing. It's just on or off. Uh, mine is on or off. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, well, hey, you we live in the we live in the slums. You live in the slums. Uh, so I can't. <laughs> you live in the slums. I can't help it. Man, you should see the way he lives. Oh, it's really sad. It would break your heart, though. So. I, I don't mean, want you to see it. To be it's fair, it's not Jeffy level. Horrifying. But, no, but still uh, it's horrifying. I mean, Jeffy is like third world. Now, Jeffy's even got the, the, the adjuster, world. don't you? For the fire? <laughs> the I mean, key? I know what those are. Oh, no, okay. I, use, I have to use matches <laughs> that I hope that they give me for free from the convenience store. Um, while you saw that video and it taught you how to build a fire, we also have another video that's going to teach you how to kill uh, hundreds and hundreds of your enemies um, nice. in revenge. Uh, oh, John Wick 2 is coming out. Uh, it's coming oh, yeah. out, I think, in January or something. Is that right? Um, the problem with that is they usually release crap in January, so I, my, my expectations are set low. But the first one was pretty, pretty Every good. Every once in a while, there's something good that sneaks yeah, into January. it's true. Um, let's uh, watch the trailer for John let's Wick 2. All right. Yeah, this is what you talk. Welcome to Rome. Is this a formal event or a social affair? Social. How many buttons? Two. And what style? Mr. Wick, do enjoy your party. How good to see you again so soon. You have no idea what's coming. You want a war? Or do you want to just give me a gun? Whoever comes, I'll kill them all. The man, the myth, the legend. John Wick. You're not very good at retiring. I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) That looks atrocious. Good luck with that one. (laughs) Keanu Reeves, though, what do you expect? Did we watch the same trailer? I thought that looked great. I mean, I I will say the first one was pretty entertaining, but... uh, He's such a bad actor. Yeah. Oh, Um, So we have double spoons today. Do we have the spoons open? Do we just play that, or do we... uh, Because we have a a product here for uh, spoons. And this is an important product. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this This is the first. I mean... Oreo is always doing something innovative. And I love them for that. Yeah. Uh, let's let's cure up the spoons. Uh, uh, spoons. <laughs> like, we really needed to stop the show to play that. Yeah, that was really uh, important. Here it is. It is the brand new Oreo Big Crunch Bar. It's an Oreo bar. Mm-hmm. It's a candy bar from Oreo cookies. Yes. And I will wow. say, just by the weight of it, you might think cookie because it's Oreo. It's this is a chocolate pounds. bar. Yeah, I mean, it this is, is a heavy. 17 freaking pounds. Freaking bar. And uh, that. now you let can... me give you a preview of what's inside here. Uh, we got two minutes to give you this uh, little taste test. This is uh, Jimmy? Definitely have something the inside of this bar. And you'll Looks see, like, a, uh, like an Oreo cookie inside. Yeah, inside. you've got the So you've got the cookie on the very inside. <laughs> I didn't do it. 
You right. almost did it. You had I it in your mouth. I almost did it. I did uh, have it in my mouth. You have the inside is the cookie, and then uh, it's surrounded by the cream that would normally be inside the Oreo. Okay. Uh, and then the outside is chocolate. We've talked enough. Well, let's eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's essentially chocolate surrounding an Oreo cookie, right? Mm-hmm. But there's more chocolatey goodness in yeah. this. So this is really good. Very good. Let me let me uh, draw wow. a slight comparison. The fudge-covered mm. Oreo, mm-hmm. which is out. Yeah. Now, that's a real Oreo cookie dipped in fudge. Mm-hmm. It's a similar mm-hmm. taste, but this mm-hmm. one is much heavier on the chocolate vibe. Mm. Um, the milk chocolate. It's a milk chocolate than the cookie. delicious. So this wow. is quite clearly a, a, cook, a candy bar, a chocolate bar, with, a, with an, like Oreos kind of stuffed in the middle mm-hmm. of it, rather than like a, where like the, the fudge-dipped Oreo is like a cookie mm. with some chocolate. This is, some cho- this is chocolate with some cookie. With the I, cookie in the middle like that? I have, Man, that would soak up milk good. <laughs> God, I hate you. I hit you in the face so hard. It'll, kill your, it it'll kill your whole family. Your whole family. That's how hard I'm going to hit you. Well, kind of for what's the milk would be. <laughs> this is, right into the... Pretty good. I will tell you, this is delicious. This is better than anything we ever had at the fair. Oh, my God, yes. Really good. Including the fried spaghetti and meatballs? Uh-huh. You're about to try those. I know. Um, now, for me, mm. I mean, it's a little more chocolatey, but... Than I would particularly like, but... Really? I like a little bit more of a mixture. I love the chocolateiness. I'll give it a 14 out of 18. Quickly, quick. 17 out of 18. Oh, 60. All right. Back with more spoons in a moment. One of the best things we've ever had. Mm, I'm I'm not a big Oreo fan. That's delicious. Uh, (laughs) If you take a look around the crowd. Yeah. Uh, here today is one of the one of the last afternoons, weekday afternoons of the state fair, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody's here. You can't. Uh, I mean, it's like a wide you open can't space. Anybody. Look at that. I mean, this place is dying. On it's the one vibe. of those things where you almost feel scared because it's eerie. It's right. so just dead. You think, you know? that, you think that people would be here? It's almost like a Walking Dead scene when you're going through a town. You think that people would be here, right? Yeah, completely Amazing. deserted. I will say, there's a lot of cannibalism in Walking Dead, which is actually much more healthy than this crap we're eating. <laughs> I mean, human flesh has got to be pretty. I mean, unless it's Jeffy, it's going to be pretty light. When we leave here, we're going to have to go directly to the home of a heart surgeon, uh, yep. and uh, and have him clean out our arteries because it's not good. Actually, really, do you know what? Yes. I'm good with that. Yes, they do. We should have maybe invested in a home heart surgery kit so we could just kind of <laughs> pop it in there. Just just, just get the plaque going a little bit. For right, them, right. Um, all right. So we've got some options here, like the chicken and waffle on a stick or deep-fried spaghetti and meatballs. Oh. Oh, man. Sweet potato pie. Oh, you gotta do, you got to do deep-fried spaghetti and meatballs. Let's get over there. Yeah. All right. Oh, fried spaghetti and meatballs. Okay. What are you doing in a second? We'll come back. Right? Uh, so, ooh, yeah, look at there is actual spaghetti wow. in there. Wow. In a marinara impressive. sauce. But is there meat? Yeah, spaghetti and meatball. Where do you get the meat? I think they maybe just crumbled it up in there. It looks like there's pieces. Jeff, are you going to have some of that? I mean, I have to, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Four. I think it's Well, we're not off. here for... I need a fork. Am I going to... Hmm? This Jeffy is just so bizarre and terrible. Do I have red velvet cake all over my face? That was the last thing I ate. I actually like that. I feel that. like I'm coated in, like, fried dough. 
But no, I feel like I, I have become fried dough. Yeah. I gotta say, that looks really good. It is good. This is good. It's a little spicy, too, if I'm not mistaken. Is that something else I've eaten that's kicking in with this, or? Oh, there's something. Definite spice to it. I'm not picking up any meat at all. I, have not, I did not chew any meat in my fork for I did nothing. No? You're done? You didn't like it? It's okay. Okay, what's your, uh, I mean, okay is not on our scale. It's an 18-point scale. Uh, so what you would do is come up with a number to describe what okay means to you. Right That's now, how the scale works. Right now. Right now, my okay equals maybe a 5 or a 6. Oh, that's pretty bad. I'm going to give it a 10. 10? Okay. I like it. 10 out of 18. And again, I had just come to the fair. And this was the only thing I've had all day. Okay, that's possible. Might be a 15. I don't know. My rating right. might go so right now, after first. everything we've eaten, it's a 10. Uh, uh, <laughs>